0: Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. Draft your team with no in-season management. Get the optimal score each week of the season and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money in their Best Ball Mania 3 contest. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up with promo code FSE, and Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with promo code FSE and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. What's going on, guys? It's Danny from Fantasy Stock Exchange here, and today I'll be going through every single first-round pick in fantasy football, reflecting on the truth behind their 2021 campaigns. The focus of this video is to analyze each first-round pick in depth and try to spot any contextual patterns in their 2021 production that may have affected their bottom line. These contextualized game logs are made to paint a picture as to some extraneous variables that may be affecting each player's stats in 2021, what we should take away from their new game logs, removing these variables, and overall thought on how much emphasis we should take away from their new contextualized output. If at any point you enjoy this video and feel I provide a value, leave a like and subscribe down below. But with that being said, before we get into the 101, let's hit the intro. Before I get into the first player, I want to reiterate that this exercise is to be used in conjunction with all the resources you have available, rather than be taken at face value. Extraneous variables will always be at hand in fantasy football, so while getting the context of performance without them is valuable in analysis, understand that things will happen in your fantasy season that we cannot predict, particularly when it comes to running back injuries. All ADP data from today's video is pulled from underdog fantasy. Promo code FSE for 100% matchback on first deposit up to $100, as well as full access to our redraft rankings manifesto, as well as all of the player cards from today's video covering many more of the relevant fantasy football contributors going into this season are going to be available over on our Patreon. If you guys are interested, link in the description, but let's kick it off. The number one overall player in ADP, and that is going to be Jonathan Taylor running back from the Indianapolis Colts. The main thing that we can take away from Jonathan Taylor's 2021 campaign is the bad touchdown luck that he had in weeks one to three and honestly uh what would his stat line look like if he was up to par in weeks one to three versus what he was able to do for the rest of the season so for the purpose of this study you guys can kind of see on the screen right now but in weeks one to three jonathan taylor did not score a single touchdown despite 13 red zone opportunities and six inside the five carries if we subtract that unlucky scoring stretch to start the year what does Taylor's RB1 season look like? We knew he was a league winner. We know he was a 22 PPR point per game scorer. But if you subtract those first three weeks, what does his output actually look like? And you guys can see on the screen, but you see his overall statistical production, his overall output jumped from 22 PPR points per game to over 24 PPR points per game, which would have ranked as the RB2 in points per game this past season, trailing over only the mark from Derrick Henry at 24.2. And you guys can see in these games, Albert Snaps there 73.79%, and he was able to score 18 touchdowns in this stretch. So if you're actually looking at this data and understanding, well, what can I take from this? We knew Jonathan Taylor was good. This just kind of shows that although he had a very good RB1 overall season this past year, the ceiling is still there for him to potentially be a Derrick Henry level. I wouldn't say Christian McCaffrey level because he's at a different level, but Derrick Henry level touchdown score, opportunity, ground game type of guy to put up a monster level season. So uh the takeaway here is that his path showed his blueprint to repeating as RB1. Once he overcame that in- inefficient stretch of touchdowns, he was an absolute machine, as I mentioned. So we know Jonathan Taylor's good. Had to reiterate that complete lack of success in those first three games is absolutely something we should not really take into account when we're going into 2022. But Either way, let's move off with Jonathan Tillers. Let's move on to the overall 102 on Underdog Fantasy and Cooper Cup. And as we know from Cooper Cup's 2021 campaign, this was the best wide receiver season we have seen. Uh, 25.9 PPR points per game, wide receiver, one overall finish, and played every single damn game, 17 games this past year. But the main question we may have here is how did the offense, how did these splits look? Prior to Robert Woods going down week nine versus the Tennessee Titans with that torn ACL, obviously the big comparable here is well, without Robert Woods in the lineup, you know, maybe Cooper Cup's totals actually got boosted. And with the signing of Allen Robinson, who should play that pseudo Robert Woods number two ancillary weapon role, how is Cooper Cup standing in this offense actually going to be affected? And you guys can see 32.95% target share, 11.3 targets per game, over a touchdown per game. Even with Robert Woods on the field, we learned that despite that co- or target competition, despite that added weapon next to him, Cooper Cup showed in 2021 that the targets earned in this Rams offense funnel through him, prioritized through him before we even worry about the rest of the distribution. So if you guys are worried, oh no, Allen Robinson's there. Allen Robinson's gonna you know take some of Cooper Cup's production. Don't be, because he averaged 26.9 PPR points per game, wide receiver one average, even with Robert Woods on the field. So you should have absolutely no concerns in that regard to Cooper Cup when everybody wants to throw around the R word regression. Cooper Cup's going to be a stud. Cooper Cup's going to be a top five wide receiver in 2022 at the very least, with a chance of maybe not repeating what he was able to do in 2021, but definitely having a good opportunity at repeating as the wide receiver one in fantasy. Let's go on to the 103 on underdog fantasy in Christian McCaffrey and... You know, the narrative here, obviously, everybody's going to point to the fact that McCaffrey's injury prone, McCaffrey's injury prone, He got hurt two years ago. He got hurt last year. Can we really rely upon this guy? Well, you guys can see he did miss 10 games in 2021 with a hamstring strain and a high ankle sprain. But in the four games that he played fully healthy, fully CMC level, we saw CMC level output, CMC level statistical production and In those four games, he averaged 25.85 PPR points per game, which would have ranked as the RB1 overall on the season, despite scoring only two touchdowns in that stretch. What you should take away from this is that CMC is my 101. Given the fact that his role on this Panthers offense is about as locked in as any other role sands maybe Cooper Cup with the Rams in fantasy football period. I mean, we're looking at a near 26 PPR point per game score on two touchdowns. No other running back in fantasy period would be able to provide that level of production, that level of consistency that Christian McCaffrey does with that role he has on that Panthers offense. So undeniable one hundred and one for me. Obviously, his overall season, you're going to look at 18.2 PPR points per game and say, oh, well, RB5, that's all right. He wasn't the same level CMC. Take into account that he actually played three of those games hurt. So contextualized game log, 25.85 PPR points per game. That is what we are looking for. That is the ceiling we are trying to get when we take and when we select Christian McCaffrey in the top three of our drafts this year the 104 on underdog fantasy. let's go to Justin Jefferson wide receiver from the Minnesota Vikings and the main context that I would take away here the main context that I provided for these game logs was ultimately the ascension of Justin Jefferson that we saw once Clint Kubiak actually called out this offense in week nine so basically there was a two game stretch in weeks eight and nine where Justin Jefferson only got nine targets and Clint Kubiak was vocal about it he said listen Justin Jefferson is the number one threat the number one weapon in this offense we need to make sure that everything is funneled through justin jefferson and justin jefferson needs to be the focal point of our team and you guys saw i mean he still had a phenomenal year despite that 19.4 ppr points per game wide receiver four ppr point per game uh pace but in the games that took place following this call we saw justin jefferson ascend to the next level 33.49 target share, 11 targets per game. And overall, we saw a 22 PPR point per game average wide receiver two overall only behind Cooper Cup if he was able to do that throughout the season, as well as a 92.33% target share. Justin Jefferson is a bona fide superstar wide receiver and going into his third year, we could be looking at the next Devontae Adams level stretch of fantasy dominance, given the status, given the talent, given the opportunity that Justin Jefferson has here in Minnesota. So absolutely love Jefferson. And if you have a top four pick this year, go bananas because you're locked into a superstar from a fantasy football perspective. The next name we're going to be talking about, the 105 on Underdog Fantasy, and it's actually Justin Jefferson's LSU teammate back in college and Jamar Chase, you know, the rookie wide receiver this past year that actually broke all of Justin Jefferson's past records. And the main variable we're looking at here, the main exchange variable that affected Jamar Chase in 2021 in terms of his production was how was his production basically affected with the presence of T Higgins actually in the lineup? And if you guys were watching the Bengals this past year, you would have known that T Higgins did not play in weeks three and four with a shoulder injury. Uh, So, I mean, taking those two games out of the sample size for Jamar Chase, you guys can see overall PPR points per game. He was at 17.9, which would have paced out or was the wide receiver five overall in the 17 games he played. If you take out the two games that T Higgins actually missed, You saw those numbers rise, 18.7 pair points per game, wide receiver five overall pace on a 90.43% snap share. And I mean, the main takeaway here is that Jamar Chase is clearly a player this past year that strived on that big play, that touchdown. That 40-yard, you know, in a cloud of dust type of play that he was so accustomed to this past year. One of the most efficient campaigns we have seen from a receiver, period. 7.9 targets per game and able to produce 18.7 PPR points per game in that stretch is absolutely ludicrous. Again, the big elephant in the room here is going to be that massive Week 17 that he put up against the Kansas City Chiefs that probably got a lot of you guys your own championships, got a lot of you guys your own hardware in your home leagues. But... That's the type of player Jamar Chase is. I'm not going to you know, take out a huge game in his sample size because at the end of the day, we know that Jamar Chase is a volatile deep threat that can provide those level of ceiling output games, which is why we love him so much in fantasy football. So um, when you're looking at Chase and you're wondering, well, is Higgins being there for the whole year going to affect him on a season-long level? Don't be worried. Jamar Chase going into year two should not only still have that level of deep threat touchdown ability that he showed as a rookie, but can even dent into that target share that we saw last year. Again, only a 22.48% target share with T Higgins on the field. We can see year two that rise up to a 25, 26% mark. And given the efficiency that Jamar Chase has, I wouldn't be shocked if he actually ended up as the wide receiver one this upcoming year. He has the talent level and the offensive insulation to be able to take that next step. The next player, the 106 on underdog fancy is going to be Austin Eckler running back from the Los Angeles chargers. And the main takeaway here is that I'm going to show the games or uh, the splits in games that he was fully healthy in. And. As we know with Austin Eckler's campaign, he actually played a ton of games through injury, particularly here entering week one with a hamstring pull, as well as dealing with a pedal strain in his ankle between weeks 14 and 17. In all those four games outlined, he actually failed to record 60% or more snaps in each of those games. Once we factor out those games in which you know Eckler played hurt, how close of the gap was it between him and Taylor? Does he actually surpass Taylor? Does he actually become the RB2 and PPR points per game behind only Derrick Henry. Well, you guys will see his PPR point per game total rose from 21.5 per game overall RB3 overall pace on the season to if you only take the games that he was deemed, you know, fully healthy actually rose to 22.775 PPR points per game on only a 69.75% snap share. So what we take away here is that Austin Eckler, recorded nearly 23 PPR points per game and nearly a 70% snapshot, as I said, when he was fully healthy. Whereas if you compare that to those four games where he was unhealthy or deemed unhealthy, he actually only produced 16.625 PPR points per game. So uh, with that in mind, if Austin Eckler is going into the season, if he's fully healthy, you get that insulation with the Chargers offense, he should be locked and loaded to repeat as a fringe top five level running back, in my opinion. The next name and probably the most polarizing name in this first round, apart from maybe Christian McCaffrey, is going to be Derrick Henry. Obviously, we know if you guys had Derrick Henry at the beginning of last season, he was an absolute monster. And the only real takeaway you should basically have here is how was his fantasy points per game actually affected once we cancel out that game that he left early in against the Colts where the injury actually occurred again? He went back in the game, you know, his snapshare was fine, but there was a bunch of reports later on that he actually played through that game hurt, which ultimately ended his regular season. If you filter out that game, his points per game, which was already at a staggering 24.2 PPR points per game, actually rose to nearly 27 PPR points per game on 10 touchdowns in those seven healthy games with, as we know, one of the most untouched workloads in the entire NFL. If Henry can remain healthy this year, I mean, he's currently going, you know, mid to back end round one on underdog he's got legitimate league winning type of potential obviously the risk is there older running back lower body injury a lot of carry a lot of volume on his plate but ultimately if i'm going to bet on you know one running back to enter the christian mccaffrey jonathan taylor level ceiling uh output we can expect this upcoming year derrick henry has to be included in that list so um yes there are risks if you are worried about those risks you know just take a stud wide receiver but if you take Derrick Henry in the mid to late first round, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on you because I think he legitimately can win you a league if he is able to stay healthy. Next name on this list is going to be Stefan Diggs, wide receiver from the Buffalo Bills. And uh, when we look at Stefan Diggs' 2021 campaign, the only real split that we can maybe look into is his production without one of Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders in the lineup. As we know, both Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders will not be returning to the Buffalo Bills in 2022. So as the residing wide receiver one snapshare leader on this team, Um, How was his production overall kind of affected with the presences or lack thereof of Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders? And you guys can see weeks 15, 16, 17, and 18, they all share the same aspect. One of Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders was not playing in this game. In those games, 28.32% target share, 10.8 targets per game, on route to 17.1 PPR points per game and a wide receiver 10 overall PPR point per game output if carried over for the the whole season end. The thing with Stefan Diggs this past year and something that basically carried over not only in this little isolated stretch, but for the majority of the year was that his target totals and his touchdown output were absolutely incredible. But as we saw, his overall usage this past year was very like Jarvis Landry-like. The hope for Stefan Diggs is we can see that big play potential end up coming back out again, obviously insulated in that top five Buffalo Bills offense tethered to the right arm of Josh Allen. If Stefan Diggs can can reclaim that big play ability that made him such a game changer, such a league winner in 2020, he can absolutely return to that status. But if we are getting low A dot Stefan Diggs, which is not really efficient on the targets he's receiving, you could be disappointed. Again, I think he's going to more so reside in that 2020 area, but it's still risky seeing as to how he was actually used in 2021. The next player in ADP is actually going to be Pittsburgh Steelers running back Najee Harris. And this is one of the first ones when I dove into his whole season. I didn't really find an apparent stretch or an apparent split or context that I should be taking into consideration when analyzing Najee Harris. He was just a consistent workhorse. Snap share was there. Touch workload was there. Basically, again, he had his blow up games. He had his weak games. But ultimately here, there isn't really anything there other than weekly variance that you can really point to. Transitioning off of Najee Harris, we go into one that we do have a lot of concerns with, uh, one that has a lot of extraneous variables affecting his data, in Dalvin Cook. And as we know with Dalvin Cook in 2021, he dealt with multiple injuries played in 13 of 17 games. But if you actually look into it, if you actually analyze it even further, he did play hurt or somewhat affected in an extra four of those games and was limited with a pedal strain in his ankle between weeks three to five and a dislocated shoulder and labrum tear at the end of the season. For his contextualized game log, let's just isolate the weeks in which he played 70 plus percent of the snaps to kind of get a good look as to how a fully healthy Dalvin Cook was able to perform in the 2021 season. So his overall PPR points per game, as we know, as we've cited on this channel multiple times, 15.9 PPR points per game the RB11 from a point-per-game standpoint in 2021. But if you're only able to isolate the games that we can deem him as being fully healthy, he averaged 19.12 PPR points per game, an RB4 level pace, was able to average a 77.4 snap share in those games. And when we're looking at this data, you know, 19.1 PPR points per game, it's very nice. You know, you'll take that. You'll take RB1 point-per-game level, but he wouldn't really actually constitute a league-winning level season by Pat Crane's terms. Combine this with the fact that in these contests for the contextualized game logs, Dalvin averaged nearly 78% of the snaps per game. So painting a full seasonal picture with him at this mark, despite in the past two years, six games under 70% snaps in 2020 and seven games under 70% snaps in 2019, I would deem as being a bold assumption. So overall, Dalvin Cook, yes, he was very good in the games that he was able to get. You know, that significant snap share, RB4 which you know was very good but wasn't you know Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry level being able to bank on Dalvin Cook playing the whole season 70 plus percent snaps is a very, very bold statement, is a very, very bold assumption, as I kind of mentioned. But moving off of Dalvin Cook, we'll get on to the final contextualized game log because obviously the last player, as I'll get into, doesn't actually have a significant pattern that I could pull. Going to the 111 on underdog is actually going to be Devontae Adams, the newly acquired wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders. And the contextualized game log I'm going to pull here is in games where Aaron Rodgers started and Devontae Adams played his full allotment of snaps. The two games that did not meet this criteria were in week nine and in week 18. Week nine being the fact that Jordan Love started that game against the Kansas City Chiefs with Aaron Rodgers being on the COVID list. And week 18 being the fact that Devontae Adams only played 32% of the snaps when Green Bay basically locked in the number one seed in the NFC and wanted to rest their starters. And when we break this down, obviously we know overall season, Devontae Adams 21.5 PPR points per game, wide receiver, two overall point per game pace point per game finish. We saw that in the contextualized game logs actually jump from 21.5 PPR points per game to 23 while still ranking as the wide receiver two is a big step up for Devonte Adams. And in those games, we saw him record over a 30% target share as well as over 10 targets per game. So obviously, you know, we know with Devonte Adams, he is an absolute target hog. I mean, 23 PPR points per game over 30% target share. As I mentioned, that is the absolute Devonte Adams staple. And Yes, is it going to affect him losing that stable connection with A-Rod and gaining more target competition in Las Vegas? Absolutely. It is going to hurt. But again, I personally draft to win my league. Devontae Adams still has ceiling wide receiver one overall, easily over 20 PPR points per game in his ceiling range of outcome. So if he's following to me at that mid to back end round one area and Dalvin Cook's going above Devontae Adams, like, yes, I am going to have a boatload of Devontae Adams this year, but The final name on this list, the final name going in the first round of underdog fantasy drafts right now is Travis Kelsey, tight end from the Kansas City Chiefs. And obviously, you know, the big glaring thing here is how did he perform last year without Tyree Kill? Obviously, Tyree Kill is playing his ball in Miami this year. Was there any stretch where Travis Kelsey played without Tyree Kill this past year? And no, I mean, they played basically every single game, all 16 games that Travis Kelsey was healthy in. Tyree Kill was also out there. And when you actually look at his overall seasonal output for Travis Kelsey on a week to week basis. Like, yeah, you're going to have, you know, spikes, you're going to have, uh, down weeks as well. But ultimately with Travis Kelsey, there aren't really too many extraneous variables other than the fact that, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs offense was experiencing their hiccups, but realistically there wasn't any isolated instances of Travis Kelsey's production going down because of this. Either way, if you have made it this far in the video, you know, about 25 minutes deep, enjoy this type of content like down below subscribe to the channel currently on the road to twelve thousand subscribers and of course if you want to follow this whole series where i basically break down all of the fantasy relevant players at the top of our drafts in terms of what their 2020 seasons actually look like subscribe to the patreon down below ten dollar plus here we'll get you access to all of these player cards available on the patreon but either way appreciate you guys for making this far and peace out enjoy your week